Which it does not. Uh, I'm recording now. Yeah, man. Three, two, one. We're rolling. What's up, everybody? Happy, beautiful motherfucking Monday morning. You are listening to Modern Guilt, Aiden and Damon on Morning Drive. <laughs> I'm <laughs> trying to manifest this morning radio talk show into reality. One day someone's going to pay us to do this. Um, <laughs> maybe never. We'll have to pay ourselves somehow, but that's all, that's right. all right. We'll get there. This is episode 16. If you're listening, thank you for coming with us on the little this little journey so far from zero to 16. Pretty happy with how things are coming along. Really, really grateful for everyone's support. People saying some like really nice shit, I think. Um, and that's good uh, fuel for us to have some motivation to continue improving the podcast or trying at least, just yeah. trying new things. Um, it seems to be working. So thank you, everybody. And thank you, Damon. Oh, thank you, Hayden. The, um, the, the support is the real payment. I don't even like money. Just <laughs> give me the Instagram likes and everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's all about that social currency. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. If only. Yeah. No, I would still be impoverished if that was the case. Um, That's also true. <laughs> I'm stoked to see that everyone has retained listening despite our little hiatus there. Uh, yeah, that was really nice to see. Hayden went to the promised land and I just dicked around. So. Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, not that you dicked around. I don't know what you've been doing, but I mean, (laughs) yeah, well, yeah. Um, However way you spin it, we did have a little break. So apologies for that. But it was nice to know that people actually gave a fuck that there wasn't an episode. Um, I think it's been like over two weeks since we dropped. Yeah. So we we lost an episode to technical difficulties, um, (laughs) which is just the fucking story of this podcast. And then I went to South Australia for five days, uh, and then here we are, back on our usual like Monday morning schedule. So, and you bring good tidings from South Australia, right? Yeah, dude. Adelaide's cool. I really like it. It's a super mellow, kind of just nice city. Uh, that sounds like a really like vague endorsement, <laughs> but I honestly mean it. Um, yeah. Everyone there is also like super laid back, and like they seem really down to earth which um, I had kind of forgotten that people can be like that after living in Brisbane, which is, you know, a relatively big city for a while. People in Australia say Brisbane has like a country vibe, but I don't think it does. I think Adelaide has far more of a country vibe. Brisbane is like, feels pretty uptight after having been to Adelaide. But It's funny you mentioned that. I was wondering if that arises at a certain scale. Like when I was living in Auckland or Melbourne or wherever else, there's like... I meet like Aucklanders or like Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, you know, like yeah. I get people you. that somehow have decided that the um, patch of dirt that they inhabit is like part of their personality now, mm-hmm. and then they carry out their actions like as a Melbourneian or as an Aucklander, and it's like it's boxy, man. Like I don't feel like I'm meeting individuals. Yeah, it's Whereas, weird, right? Yeah, in these like bumpkin towns, it's kind of like everyone's just sort of their own person or something because i guess you can't identify as like well i'm from Adam. yeah i'm a kai Korin. kai Korin. Um, yeah yeah 
Yeah, I don't know. Adelaide's pretty big, but I think maybe it's like around, hovering around the threshold of like where you become a wanker. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, had a lot of good food, had a bit, few nice wines. Nice. Um, because that's me now. <laughs> Having a few shiners. Yeah. Nah. Um, red wine is is my shit. Yeah. No chardonnays for me. I mean, I, fuck, I would drink anything really, <laughs> but whatever. Why yeah. am I pretending that I discriminate? So, yeah, what have you been doing, man? I fell off the wagon. I, I went on a bit of a bender last week. Um, yeah. Which is good. I think it's healthy. I, I yeah. personally feel as refreshed from <laughs> not drinking as I do from, like, several nights last week just being a pile of shit and, um, you know, uh, getting buzzed and fucking felt great about myself, to be honest, man. So, that's fucking awesome that's yeah. great yeah yeah um, it's really yeah. healthy i was at like some <laughs> horrible bars like really bad ones just filled with fucking real estate agents and not that i, I don't have anything against real estate agents but there's like a particular kind of real estate agent that you get that you get around that's very like fucking yappy and you know oh dude i feel as though 98 percent of real estate agents are that person yeah, man. Yeah, just all yeah, about horrid. like, like closing. Like the main topic of conversation <laughs> closing, was yeah. me sitting there like sipping on vodka sodas because fuck you. I just that's what I was drinking and having people just like talk to me about like you always got to be looking for sales and you got to be closing. This is a nonstop game, and it's just like oh man, this is fucking fascinating. But like off, <laughs> like that's just yeah, like, I just I can. I admire the energy, dude. I, I don't have it in me. I, I just don't think I have the capacity to care as deeply as they do about, like, the next check or the next sale or the next house. I mean, that's also not how I derive, like, my income, but fucking, you mm. know, it sounds brutal. Yeah, it's it's pretty weird, right? Mm. Like, I, it makes me wonder if um, the main motivation for sort of mustering that kind of energy to sell is financial or if it's because they like need some way to derive their self-worth yeah i i had a little stint in sales and like your self-worth is tied to your income because your income is how you make your fucking money right yeah and it's like you're not a very good salesman if you're not making sales and no matter what people like to think about life and work in general like the fucking like doing good at your job has an impact on your mental health and if you're doing shit and Mm -hmm. you're not making money then it's kind of like well what's the point of doing it in the first place so i guess it like has to become part of their personality you know yeah and i guess that's like the the capitalist machine in like wet dreamland yeah (laughs) although i wonder like back in the day like before we made this horrible mess um Mm. of, of everything like did they have a place like what? what's the stone age hustler you know like the stone age hustler you know oh that's a great question actually dude i mean i guess they just went and hunted the dopest elephants yeah and then like came back to the tribe and were just like generously giving everyone meat and that was like <laughs> how they were cool or something I got do you no reckon they were clear. though because when i go to dog parks bro um, <laughs> You know, you see Such some dogs segue. that are just fucking like running around chatting to every dog up mm. in everybody's behind, you know, like rutting up a storm and shit. And I kind of feel like that's the kind of real estate energy that I get. Um, and maybe there's like a, like maybe it's, there's a, like a biological um, place for these people and they're not kind of like just 
corporate machines, you know? Yeah, that's a really interesting thought, actually. Like, because I know that this is unscientific, but we're not scientists, so <laughs> fuck it. Um, yeah, like, I recently did, well, like, I don't know, a couple of months ago or something, did an anagram test, or I think that's what it's called, where you'd, like, take a personality test and figure out, like, your type or something. Oh, yeah, like and, the MBIT thing. Uh, uh, I, th- like I think maybe you're yeah. thinking of a Maya Briggs test. Oh, yeah, that's what but, I'm thinking of. Um, but anyway, it's a similar kind of vibe and pretty much like if I'm recalling this correctly with anagrams, there are like eight personality types and all of them are just like naturally occurring. So I suppose, uh, I don't, can't remember what they are off the top of my head, but I say this to say that I suppose real estate agents are just like some sort of personality type and like, regardless of the historical or cultural context, like that type would just sort of like manifest itself in whatever form it could like just like finds a crack and runs into it like fills a hole so yeah i mean i'm sure there was some sort of like biological or evolutionary purpose for there to be individuals that makes me so happy of that kind of inclination yeah you know what i'm saying that they're they're like just fulfilling their biological destiny and that this is a place for them yeah they're just just essentially like fungus like (laughs) um Shout out to all the real estate fungus. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah, that's... I'd really actually like to read more about this. Do you reckon your sister would be able to, like, shed any light on this? Yeah. Yeah, she's uh, due for an episode at some point. Um, yeah. When she gets her shit sorted. What is her, like, area of professionalism? So, for the listeners, like, Damon's older sister is um, an anthropologist. How far yeah. through her PhD is she? Uh, she's got, like, a few months left. Right, and, so yeah, um, yeah basically has a PhD. Likes to talk about like how people use space, and her main area that she wants to focus on is uh, where hero or uh, can heroes be made? Um, wow, that's a really yeah. interesting question. So, spoiler alert: in the future, Fuck, man, that's, that's so cool. I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's an upcoming episode of Modern. I'm gonna start messaging her, just like harassing her, like weekly now, just like oh yeah, can they be made? Can they the tell me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does she want to just like finish her PhD before she comes on? Yeah, I think there, there's some reason behind that of some kind. Like, you know, I don't know what it is. Imagine if she was like on the threshold of some like anthropological breakthrough and like she was just just waiting until she like finally cracks it and then she's going to come on and drop some fucking universal theory bomb of, yeah, human understanding. Yeah. That would yeah. be so, so dope. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's fascinating, and it's it that's something... what we're doing on a weekly basis. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why everyone keeps tuning in. That's why I tune in to to hear it. Yeah. From you. Um, yeah. But um, it's it's you know it's something that I think happens all the time. In fact, uh, not that I want to continue talking about it, but like <laughs> the real estate agents that I was talking <laughs> to on Friday, uh, we're talking about kind of the same thing about becoming a bomb ass real estate agent and how like um, there's like. <laughs> Apparently, man, the best real estate agent in the world lives in Christchurch. Apparently. That's such a load of shit. It sounds like a load of shit. I yeah, thought it was but a load continue. Of shit and but... we'll just pretend that that's true and you can tell the story. Yeah, okay. So this fucking dude, 
uh, I think his name's like Aaron Bailey or some shit, who's like Mr. Real Estate Agent. And if you look up a photo of him, oh. he looks like a, he's all over the show. Like I feel like, like marginally nauseous just hearing about this. Like. <laughs> but um, everybody wants to work under him because he's just a fucking lord of like sales and real estate agent. Like he's a wizard, apparently. And yeah. he's got a lot of detractors as well in the game because of, you know. Oh, well, haters going hate. I know, dude. Haters <laughs> going hate hard. But, you know, it's like mainly because he's just a fucking wizard at real estate it sounds like the guy's raking in like a mill a year or some shit selling houses and sleeping with anything that moves um based off the conversation that i was hearing although that's like winner conjecture and you know like it might not be true i'm sure he is though but you know i think he apparently apparently he's making real estate heroes in um in his papa Nui office so wow i guess shout out to aaron bailey maybe we should try and get him on the pod <laughs> <laughs> you should yeah email him do you know yeah. someone who knows him uh yeah i well the guy that i got locked into a conversation with for like an hour you know more than that it was like several hours of like jesus fuck man i know man it was like preceding this conversation uh my buddy asked me was he was like oh hey man do you think like everything happens for a reason or and you're like yeah man and then end up trapped in a conversation with a real estate agent <laughs> just the big like dick of the universe smacking me in the face for thinking that things happen. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe they do. I'm here chatting about it. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. good pod fodder. Um, my answer um, was maybe for what it's worth. It was maybe uh, followed by a long depressing <laughs> rant of like, you know, we have so much fucking pointless technology now. Like why even make more, but you know, it's a separate conversation for another day. Mm. So. Yeah. I'm really interested in this concept of, like heroes or heroism mm. and i know that you were joking when you said like that guy's in papua nui and christchurch making real estate heroes i'm not but, joking um, dude i think he is for like no well do you think though that like we're using hero in a humorous way or do you think that they're actually heroes I... like, do you think that it's possible to be a real estate hero it's I, it's obnoxious irony because when I say real yeah, estate right. heroes, I'm cracking a joke, but I also <laughs> yeah, that's what don't I... believe in any like objective description of a hero. Like I think within the context of real estate, he's probably making real estate heroes a hundred percent. Yeah. I'm right. just being a snarky little shit that <laughs> smacked <laughs> no. in the face. Cause yeah. I'm like the snarkiest person ever to talk to about real estate agents. So don't worry. Actually, yeah. I like told you that real estate story on the pod once about yeah. like emailing that local real estate agent. Yeah. Good. I have like a, a depraved vendetta against them. Yeah. Well, um, they're kind of like, um, I don't know. I feel kind of bad, man. Cause part of me feels like they, you know, like a lot of people hate on like parking um, people like parking people, wardens parking yeah. wardens yeah and it's like part of me is like look man everybody needs to make a buck and the way you do it is maybe not ideal but at the end of the day everybody needs to make a buck you know so yeah and whatever. like also if you look at the salary that council workers earn it's like dude i mean i can sit here and say i wouldn't do it but the idea of getting paid like 85k a year plus like really good super Damn. with like all your leave entitlements and shit to walk around and give people parking fines yeah. you don't even have to walk quickly man you can just fucking cruise for the day dude listening to like podcasts and just like <laughs> latest modern guilt yeah uh, like <laughs> that would be a pretty good job you know what i'm saying well yeah and the other thing is like i don't really have any responsibilities so i can't fucking rally against someone else's employment and be like oh duke 
Yeah, right. So like imagine if it's like, yeah, I want to raise my kids while I'm on like the unemployment benefit or be a parking warden. Like you can't really blame someone for wanting yeah. to like buy their kids better shoes or some shit. Yeah. Plus, man, if you're going to be like a real estate agent, be the best fucking real estate agent you can be. Like be down there at Aikman's Bar in Maryville uh chatting to <laughs> be that yeah to be fucking that guy everyone in the bar yeah that guy was killing mm. i can't remember your name bro if you listen to this podcast but um you were killing it that night so well people tell me or people have told me in the past it's not like i'm some guy that people talk to about real estate <laughs> but that like heaps of real estate is about like projecting an image of success so like it's as important to be able to sell the idea that you sell as it is to actually sell. So that guy was probably just doing that to you. You know what I mean? He just like so that when oh yeah theoretically someone was like, hey Damon, I need to sell my house. Know any real estate agents? You're like, oh yeah, there was this fucking guy at Merivale telling me about how good he is at selling shit. I'll talk to him. And then he's like, yeah, got you. Um, that's why they all fucking lease like five-year-old mercs oh you know? <laughs> dude <I just> with <laughs> like mad american beauty vibes from what you're saying eh? yeah have you seen that movie yeah yeah it's a fucking yeah. awesome movie man that guy the fucking real estate agent in that movie says exactly verbatim what you just said like in order True, to be successful I can't remember. you must project an image of success at all times and then like lester's wife who she's cucking him with the real estate agent which must suck yeah um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> is like oh she just like finds it really sexy so there's probably something in it you know um yeah um, <laughs> all right well <laughs> so i thought it was pretty interesting like one of the most recent trump outrages was his um refusal to uh commit to a peaceful transition of power after the yeah. election in november yeah. which like understandably has people with their <laughs> knickers in a twist. <laughs> so I oh yeah, carry on. Yeah. No, I was just just gonna say um I, I find that whole sort of like question or scenario really intriguing leading up to like the first debate on Wednesday. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. So wait for that. For the listeners, we're gonna do a little bonus pod. So Damon and I are gonna live stream the first presidential debate between Joe Biden and President uh, and Donald Trump. And then we're going to do like a, a post-debate live like reaction commentary pod um, yep. and hopefully drop it like the next day. So it'll be like debate Wednesday, reaction pod on Thursday. It's our first time trying this. So we're not sure if, how long it'll be or like whether or not it'll even be good. But we, we, we I think it'll be fun. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be yeah. good. It'll be like a, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> like a UFC commentator, but two dudes weighing in on the debates so dope um i'm curious okay so i remember you telling me about that and i was like hmm. as always i i feel like whenever it comes to trump news i just feel like all right i should probably find the unedited clip of whatever the fuck he was saying and then see mm. if it's as bad which it sometimes is or not as bad as it sometimes is um but i i haven't done that but it sounds pretty fucking outrageous like either way man i because at this point i'm just so fucking ambivalent about american politics and like whatever's happening over there in general it'll certainly be interesting if he like decides not to it'll really amp up uh this season of um the apprentice in the white house to uh <laughs> fucking views. yeah so are you familiar with dan carlin yeah so like i don't know 
how you know him, but I for listeners, common sense or hardcore history? Hardcore history. Yeah, right. Me too. So like for the listeners, Dan Carlin is like an amazing uh, history podcaster who does a series called Hardcore History where he does like just insanely thorough research into his subjects and then produces like four to five hour long podcast episodes on stuff like the First World War or Genghis Khan or the Persian Empire or whatever. Um, and But I discovered that he also has another podcast called Common Sense. Have you heard of that? I'm aware of it, yeah. I was turned yeah. off by the title. So, um, what a dick. Yeah, it kind of is a bit of a... <laughs> no, I think it was kind of a dumb name for a podcast because yeah. it's sort of implying that, like, his view is common sense, which is, yeah. I don't know, a bit shit. But um, anyway, I listened to this episode called uh, Staring, the... Staring Into the Iceberg. And in the episode, he was basically using the analogy that, like, the United States is the Titanic. It's this huge lumbersome... Sorry, cumbersome? Yeah, that's the right word. Cumbersome uh, ship full of people uh, with a president at the helm. And like, it's really like slow and difficult to maneuver. And right now, Donald Trump is staring into the iceberg um, by using all of this kind of inflammatory rhetoric. And Dan Carlin's argument was that like, you know, regardless of what you think about Donald Trump's policies and whether or not the detractors are correct about why he sucks, you just can't have a president who is willing to like publicly speak on the record in a way that just like kind of accelerates the United States towards violence. Um, and he was saying that for the first time in his life, he's going to vote um, for one of the two major parties and vote Biden just because he feels though that like you just need more like temperance in the White House, um, which I thought was an interesting perspective. And then like right after listening to that podcast, that story dropped about trump refusing to transfer power and that kind of like just rang with a bit more like poignance to me um but yeah anyway uh, i'm sure i mean how can he hang on to power but people said this about like how can he be president so yeah you never fucking know i'm kind of like could go either way at this point but um fuck america i i'm sick of the states i want them to fade into irrelevance i'm so tired of like american headlines and like all this other noxious shit that comes over from them in a way <laughs> it'd be nice for the fucking media companies to have like no stories anymore like dude i think the only reason that the new york times and cnn and like all those other news networks didn't go bust was or like reach a like depressing level of decline by now yeah. is because of his presidency otherwise they just I get faded you. away into like nothing and whatever gets my like fucking dad off cnn and like you know off those goddamn networks faster is is like good in my mind so your dad's like a an outrage media buff yeah dude yeah yeah just like i'm you know i'm so sick of like catching up or i'm just to be honest i'm just sick of catching up with anyone in general and you know just hearing this kind of collective circle jerk of um american politics it's like Man, I want to go back to like the good old days of Kim.com and and, uh, <laughs> and like stupid shit happening on this side of the world, you know, rather mm. than just um, constant America, America, America. Yeah, well, I guess it, it's difficult, though, because I think like it's hard to blame anyone for being overly interested or sort of captivated by what happens there, because it what whether you like it or not, what happens in the States really does set a precedent for how we react in the rest of the West, I think. Mm. I mean, maybe not so much in Europe, actually, but definitely in Australasia. Um, 
which is its its own kind of like toxic ball and chain relationship but yeah yeah. it's kind of stupid though that that happens because we don't even have a free trade agreement with um america we have a free trade agreement with china helen clark set that up back in the day and like we are way more in bed economically with china than we are the states 100 percent, man yeah right so i don't know about uh australia but i can tell you like new zealand is much more tethered to china than it is the states the states is just a periphery um like like i said we don't even have a free trade agreement with you know Mm. was um was nafta the trade agreement that obama tried to get through before he left office which trump sunk no nafta's been around for ages Nafta's right. Like, I'm thinking. Uh, oh, I'm thinking of the um, uh, the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership or something. Oh yeah, the TPP um, or the TPP or whatever the fuck it is. TTPEC. Yeah, yeah. just. I don't think that ever went ahead. And though. Yeah. yeah, so I think that was what was gonna draw uh, Australia, New Zealand, and Southeast Asian countries closer into the fold with um, you know, the Americas in order to like combat china's growing economic influence yeah. over us well um, but yeah that got sunk so people were really whatever. anti-it eh? which is really interesting i wonder if that's like a common sense of the working class type situation because i remember then that came out and i was sort of like all uh mk ultra on um sort of like university economic dogma crap that they mm. fed me there and i was sort of like oh free trade's good for everyone they should just have a free trade agreement you know everybody wins yeah uh, no. despite the fact that i realized <laughs> how like you know obviously didn't realize how shitty they are and how much it kind of you know whatever the dominant economic power is that's the one that's always going to come on top and yeah exactly you can always buy more expensive widgets uh sorry cheaper widgets than you could otherwise but you know like mm. <laughs> Like you said in another pod, like we don't need more fidget spinners. Um, and <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like a lot of those countries aren't exporting food to us. Um, so what's the fucking point, you know? Yeah, I'm actually just going to open the pod. I mean, the notes for future episode ideas, because I think you and I should maybe do an episode on um, on the sort of like economics and sort of unequal relationships generated by like free trade and international development. Yeah, no, that'd be really interesting because that's... Um, I was like, I think that's something both of us have quite a good understanding of. Yeah, I think it's like... We're very influenced with a media narrative from the States, but I, again, I don't really believe that they should be at the forefront of like old policy and everything. They might have a lot of sway or it might seem like they have a lot of sway, but I think our policies are completely different. Man. Like, I don't think, mm. I think they dominate the headlines, but they don't actually dominate what happens within the country, you know? I, I think um, maybe you underestimate the importance of like the defense agreements though as well. I think that's a huge underlying factor for why we pay so much attention to the United States because we basically sink or swim based on how the direction they go in. You know what I mean? Probably. Um, I don't know much about that shit though. So. Yeah. So like <laughs> pretty much um, post-World War II when Australia and New Zealand left the British Empire or it, it basically was demonstrated once the British failed to protect Australia and New Zealand in the Pacific that... We could no longer rely on like a former colonial power that is like so far away and mm-hmm. is declining. So we tethered ourselves to the United States as like our main kind of like protector. So yeah, um, that's a huge part of why I think we are so obsessed with what happens over there um, because their strength is our ability to stay alive in a yeah. sense. If you take that kind of cynical, realist view of international relations, which I don't so much, but a lot of people do. But 
This is a good chance to segue, speaking of international relations, into a bit of a show and tell that I've prepared. But before I do it, I'm going to go and get a glass of water. Nice. And after I get a glass of water, we will talk about Russian information warfare. All right, cool. Wait. See you soon. So, as a little bit of context for this, just to explain to the listeners, leading up to this show, I had the idea that I suggested to Damon that maybe like an interesting topic for this episode would be to read up on lobbying groups and how they impact politics or maybe the history of lobbying and how it evolved to the point where now it kind of has this like parasitic grasp over a lot of politics. Um, that's a conversation for another day, but we both started reading about lobbying and then realized that it's actually a lot more sort of like black and white and less interesting than I thought it might have been. So that kind of fell flat. But last night, um, you know, it was like less than 12 hours before we were starting to record the pod and I was like, fuck, I need to like stay up and do some research. So I did what all rational people do, rolled myself a nice little spliff, smoked that shit and started searching like academic journal articles for like lobbying uh, and international relations because I thought that might be like an interesting angle way to like just, you know, switch it up a wee bit. And it was uh, a really fortuitous impulse (laughs) Um, because I discovered this fascinating article called Russian Information Warfare Implications for Deterrence Theory by Media Ager and Bethany Valent. Um, which was published in Strategic Studies Quarterly in 2018. So the the paper is kind of written in the context of Russian meddling and foreign affairs kind of coming to the fore of, I guess, the, the media conscience. Or, you know, there are a lot of narratives about stuff like the Russian meddling in the recent US election, the Cambridge Analytica scandal, which involved just an absolute, like, confusing shit show (laughs) of um people using uh apps to steal facebook data in which was tied in the end to like russian oligarchs and energy giants so for whatever reason i'm sure that in the kind of field of strategic studies a lot of people had been talking about this for a long time but um 2018 was where i think the kind of conversation might have peaked in terms of um Russia carrying out this kind of warfare. Um, yeah. So, is that a good primer for you, for me to start? Yeah, man. Yep. No, that's good. Yeah? Start fucking this hole? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the article starts out explaining that the Russian information warfare sort of doctrines really old and sophisticated because they were first developed while the Soviet, Soviet Union was still around. And because they've always kind of been economically... Um, outgunned, I suppose, and during the later stages of the Soviet Union, militarily outgunned by the United States, they had to find ways that they could gain a strategic advantage. And they realized that the West's values of like liberalism and freedom of speech were like exploits, almost like a kind of software exploit where you could hack their sort of like public narrative or public public dialogues because Uh, The Soviet Union obviously had a complete censorship control over their domestic media, meaning that if the West or the United States was to respond by spreading disinformation in the Soviet Union, 
they could easily um, sort of filter out or control narratives. Whereas the entire sort of moral basis for the existence of the West is that you can't do that. Mm. So they realized that they had this huge strategic opportunity to start spreading disinformation in the West and kind of like undermine the fabric of their of the societies of their adversaries and they saw this as a defensive act and it's really hard for us to comprehend it because of the way that the Soviet Union formerly and Russia now is like portrayed in Western media because they're obviously painted as these bad guys and these villains who will stop at nothing to get one up over the West. But obviously, if you like <laughs> go to Russia, speak to Russians or listen to Russian media, like I imagine a lot of them would probably think the same thing about the likes of the United States. Um, and it's a weird narrative, eh? Like it's so 1980s. It's like, you know, I, I don't know. Like I remember 2000s. It was, you know, like we always had to watch out for, um, not that we always had to watch out, but the dominant narrative was sort of like, oh, the Middle East and terrorists in the Middle East that want the death mm. of the west and, and stuff and this return to russia feels kind of like lazy mm. <laughs> like yeah in, well in i mean weird world of like you know disinformation it's just like a lazy attempt to characterize a bad guy or something yeah i think you're right it is somewhat lazy um but it can be you know because yeah. the, the goal is just to identify a boogeyman mm. and then the rest kind of does the job for you i think once you just float the idea then the discussion becomes are they a boogeyman and then the news is well yes they are or no they aren't um as opposed to are they not a boogeyman that's mm. those two sentences don't actually make that much sense but <laughs> I, I know what, you're what, I'm, what i'm talking about is yeah basically once you make the suggestion that controls the the dialogue you know mm. but so the russian state poli policy is that there is active discrimination against Russia and uh, Russian media by the West. So they see themselves as having no choice but to carry out this sort of information war against the West in order to try and defend themselves. Um, now, and this article gets like really technical, but is written in a really straightforward way. And I'm going to obviously link it in the show notes. And I just want to reiterate that the parts of it that I'm going to cover now, while I think are interesting, are just scratching the surface. And I would really recommend anyone should go and read this journal article. It's, it's only 20 pages, including references. So it's not like a super long read. It's not that heavy. Uh, it's really easily digestible, which is weird for like a strategic or international relations paper. Yeah. But it references texts uh, like the Bulletin of the Academy of Military Sciences from Russia uh, and Russian documents called Information Psychological Warfare in Modern Conditions, conceptual views regarding the activities of the armed forces of the Russian Federation in the information space. So it digs into the heart of what drives their policies um, regarding misinformation and information warfare. And it provides a really fascinating insight into how complex and well-developed the theories are that inform their approaches. So they um, basically realized as well that while their tactics and their doctrines have been uh, in existence for over 40 years old, they had this kind of well-oiled machine set up from the Soviet era. Once um, 
obviously like the exponential rise in technology with the internet and social media and all that came along they realized that it also sort of exponentially increased the effectiveness of these tactics that they already had in place whereas the west didn't have that same advantage um so they talk about this government document titled, as I said before, Conceptual Views Regarding the Activities of the Armed Forces of the Russian Federation in the Information Space, and that outlines some of their main methods. And the two main ones that they look at in this article are disinformation and what they call reflexive control theory, which they define as the practice of predetermining an adversary's decision response by altering key factors in the adversary's perception of the world. And they do <laughs> they do this not by trying to sort of like change the mind of the public but by influencing the i guess landscape of possible perceptions you can have so they find these kind of hmm, i wouldn't say oppressed but i guess like subcultures or groups of people who already have uh sort of alternative opinions that are less popular and then they go into these groups online and identify a narrative that if they tweak or ramp up slightly can become one that is potentially damaging to like the fabric of society in the West. Mm. So mm. they'll go into like a, for example, like an alt-right group and kind of gauge what the discussion is in there and then float out something else like, well, you know, like what if we did this, that, and the next thing. And then like once that narrative starts to catch on, then they like flood the group with bots as well. And then <laughs> sort of like propagate this this seed of an idea until yeah. other people within that sort of like subculture begin to then like spread it organically as well. And like that in itself isn't a huge revelation. Like people or, you know, some people know that Russia has been doing stuff like this for a really long time. But what I found so fucking mind-blowing is that in this article, they are able to, like, directly reference and quote basically, like, the textbooks or manuals that outline how you should do this and why. Oh, dude, um, you have to share that. Fuck it. Yeah, man. no, I will, <laughs> I will dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing that's really crazy about it is that they, like, categorize their dis disinformation activities as overt or covert so that, like, in their sort of formal... Uh, outline of their process for how to do this they actually include diplomacy as a as a tool for deception so whereas like countries in the west obviously view diplomacy as this kind of holy grail where um or you're at least supposed to pretend that you're acting in good faith when you're carrying out diplomacy um russia fully acknowledges that it's willing to use diplomacy as a weapon <laughs> so even yeah. when Russian diplomats are meeting with representatives of other countries. Those representatives have to go into that meeting not knowing whether or not that diplomat's going to be planting misinformation or not. So, like, Russian diplomats at any time can be essentially acting as, like, an agent. <laughs> so, and that same diplomat might share sort of, like, the same information but spun a different way to multiple people to just, like, sow confusion. Um, there was this German general... Karl von Clausewitz, who was an 18th century Prussian military theorist who pioneered the concept of the fog of war, yeah, which is pretty much, you know, all that you can't see or know. And, like, this Russian misinformation campaign is 
basically like a, a fog machine <laughs> yeah. like on, on a stage pumping out this fucking just like uh, fog that you can't see through into the world just trying to produce more and more and it's not trying to like directly defeat anyone but it's just trying to like incapacitate or co- confuse the fuck out of people yeah yeah and they like refer to this really interesting example where when um, the former UK Prime Minister Theresa May was going to visit the United States for the first time um, in the context of sort of slowly warming US relations with Russia, the Russian embassy in London from their like official account tweeted in quotes, pundits call Theresa May to disrupt possible US-Russia thaw. No trust in Britain's best friend and ally? Question mark. So just like publicly trolling on like the international stage. It's pretty funny. Which I yeah, which is like a pretty like Trumpian sort of tweet. Yeah, Um, yeah. But it's like so interesting that like something like an embassy, which I think most people in the West associate with being this kind of like hallowed ground, they're just like, nah, man, we're fucking getting down in the dirt with you. Yeah. Also, another really interesting example of like a a real world influence was when um, after the first presidential debate in the last election, um, the hashtag Trump won trended to number one worldwide on Twitter. And um, this like analytics company uh, traced like where the the trend came from. And it was like sourced from St. Petersburg, Russia. So, yeah, so like they fully um yeah propagated like a global narrative that trump won the debate and the writers quote another source here saying he who controls the trend will control the narrative and ultimately the narrative controls the will of the people <laughs> which that's is so fucking <laughs> funny man that's like some yeah like communist shit and like new age twitterville yeah like it's and it's just so um (laughs) so like explicit and applicable to um the outcome oh it's so depressing yeah like it's it's sickeningly funny like it's dark humor in itself and so like from these russian military sources um i'm gonna list some of their like officially kind of uh endorsed misinformation tactics and then talk about how some of these i think have been really successful in light of sort of like recent events in the united states Mm. so uh direct lies for the purpose of disinformation both of the domestic population and foreign societies concealing critically important information i think also damon your ears might prick up at some of these be like Ooh. oh they're pricks. yeah <laughs> oh but yeah go on um I've... burying valuable information in a mass of information dross i didn't know dross was a word but there you go Can um simplification i'll do it right now <laughs> tech support something regarded as worthless rubbish yeah. there you go foreign matter dregs or mineral waste in particular scum formed on the surface of molten metal <laughs> okay there we go so yeah yeah um simplification confirmation and repetition terminological substitution use of concepts and terms whose meaning is unclear or has undergone qualitative change which makes it harder to form a true picture of events oh dude i've seen so many people online um referring to shit like that like everyone on the alt-right side i keep hearing people talk about like uh the globo global the globalists no 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 it's it's like another term that's like vaguely homophobic um oh really yeah yeah hold on i'll look it up uh um okay i can't find it but uh Uh, that's okay yeah there's like 
all sorts of fucking terms like that where I look at it and I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? And it's just this like long string of words to sound, you know, like academic or something. And it just ends up sounding, ah, there it is the global, global homo agenda, which is like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, which Uh. is a full on alt-right pile of bullshit. Um, you know, that's basically just throwing around fuckwits on those you know social media networks to uh i guess confuse and also sound like oh you know sounds like there's a conspiracy of some kind yeah yeah i get you yeah um so there are three more on this list introducing taboos on specific forms of information or categories of news image recognition known politicians or celebrities can take part in political actions to order thus exerting influence on the worldview of their followers and lastly, providing negative information, which is more readily accepted than the audience. Sorry, more readily accepted by the audience than positive. Mm. So <clears throat> I think the um, in the context of like US outrage media and polarization, these are like really interesting, particularly concealing critically important information. Um, and like an example of that that I can think of recently, although... The police officers that killed George Floyd should obviously be in prison for life. I think the exclusion of the fact that George Floyd was high on drugs at the time when it happened Mm. is a really interesting example of this. And if I'm assuming when that happened, Russian bots were probably like flooding social media and spreading stories that didn't include that detail. Yeah. And while I think obviously the fact that he was high on drugs doesn't exclude i mean sorry doesn't excuse the outcome i think the fact that removing that detail from the narrative makes it easier to jump on board and call for like defunding the police is a really like important sort of like note um what were you about to say sorry um oh man there's just so many things about what you're describing here because it's i was working on a project like uh last year that was like meant to largely be like taking a lot of 4chan data and trying to find where they're like flooding uh, Twitter and other social networks with misinformation. And one of the most classic examples of what you're talking about, my favorite example of like misinformation was when there was this big raid by a bunch of, you know, 4chan users, which I'm always curious what, like how much of that is foreign actors or how much of it is just people who want to like fuck shit up who are just sitting at home you know Mm. like on their computers and bored and wanting to troll endlessly but the you know you remember the okay symbol becoming like a um symbol of white power yeah yes that was an entire like fortran raid that was meant that was entirely based around like oh what if we like start flooding twitter with um like all this fake information about how white nationalists are using the okay symbol as mm. a you know sign of white power because of the w and the p and, and the okay symbol which then other people are going to react against and be like you know it's going to make the left look like fucking idiots um yeah, there's yeah, been yeah. so many of these fucking uh like obvious trolls going out there that they gain traction and they actually end up being picked up by people like you know um like the jewish defense league and stuff like that 
like when pepe became a fucking white nationalist symbol yeah yeah you know it's insane and it's so interesting how effective it is because i've it's always fucking it, amazing yeah man like i feel like there, there's like two sides of it eh? there's part of it where it's i don't think it is very effective um that netflix documentary is one that i've always been really suspicious of um the great hack which one? Oh, it's the one right. it's like largely about cambridge analytica um yeah they go I've into seen detail it, yeah. about yeah, like, oh, you know, Russia hacks the election using Facebook ads. And it's kind of like, well, it just sounds like like the Trump campaign hired a marketing firm and they marketed to people like they're fucking meant to. Like a lot of it just sounds like direct advertising, which you could say is a form of manipulation, but no more than like the dishonest TV ads that were run back in like 2008, 2009. Like they're fucking crazy. You know, I yeah. strongly remember those because they were ridiculous. They were like, you would watch them both from you know the obama administration and from like uh romney's administration um and it was just ridiculous it was like two sides just totally bullshitting each other uh you know and it only it's obviously gotten like a lot worse but at the same time part of that is kind of like just advertising like normal good old-fashioned manipulative advertising yeah, I think um, the problem with the Cambridge Analytica thing, though, is that there were such compelling ties from uh, between Cambridge Analytica and the Russian government. Mm. Whereas, like, obviously hiring a marketing firm or whatever for your campaign is standard practice. I think Cambridge Analytica, if I remember, received a lot of Russian funding yeah. to start themselves up. There's a lot of murky um, ties, though, and it, I don't feel like it's new. This is the one thing that kind of annoyed me about it is, you know, there's this, like... Um, claims that it's all new and it's you know there it's like murky ties between super PACs and lobbyists have existed for a long time now like if you look at yeah the yeah we're giving like you know the like apac is so strong man like the american israel uh pack whatever they are i'm pretty pretty sure they're apac um and they heavily fund a bunch of different parties and there, there's all sorts of like weird fucking ties between different governments uh funding u.s elections you know with huge amounts of money yeah um, yeah true this was kind of it just felt to me like it was oh fuck we need okay so there's a really good conspiracy on this that yeah <laughs> it goes deep so the the great hack thing felt kind of like well we need a scapegoat let's just fucking blame russia and say you know oh hacking elections russians up to their old cold war tricks you know <laughs> and let's mm. just fucking ignore every other country that has a like a weird stake in the game like saudi arabia and uh china <laughs> yeah and fucking you know all the other ones um, just out here killing journalists yeah so the fire festival right oh yeah yeah okay <laughs> i what love a, this like already yeah I'm, one of my I'm favorite favorite fucking stories um that came out after that documentary was released uh which was an interesting documentary um because of the colossal fuck up of it but the social media company fuck jerry uh Funded. that's the name of a company yeah they're well they're the ones that were heavily involved with fire festival right so they're okay. meant to be like getting the fucking thing going and they're paying for the uh influencers and the influencers did that stupid orange thing on instagram whatever it was um you can tell <laughs> how much time i spend on there i don't fucking know what it is but it's like there's like an orange tile or something and it's like see you at fire festival and right rest of it rest of it rest of it whatever the fucking name is um so fuck jerry 
has been uh, partly funded the documentary to put all the blame of the fire festival on the fucking you know mental co-founder or founder of the fire festival right right totally absolving them of blame and then there's a bunch of articles that came out that were like trying to find out whether or not the fire festival documentary in itself was a like conspiracy and a cover-up for fuck jerry's own complete fuck up of the fire festival and the fact that they were like heavily involved in it and definitely deserve to like go down alongside um alongside uh the fucking main guy whatever his name is the the one that um launched the fire rule no it wasn't everyone disappeared there's there's a guy that was basically like the fall guy i'll try and look it up now okay right um i think his name is billy mcfarland is the guy that uh was the one that went down yeah that's his name um but fuck jerry man used netflix to basically like spread all this disinformation and there's a bunch of murky ties between them and netflix um who already is i feel like a pretty murky organization yeah what i find really interesting about netflix is did you know they don't like share any of their figures yeah i heard that yeah yeah um but yeah that's pretty funny i thought you were gonna say that you um that the conspiracy was that fire festival was a russian psyop oh no no no, no. i was like that's so good that like if russians like actually organized fire festival just to rile up a bunch of people i mean maybe Um, like you know who knows who knows right but it's just like another example of a large corporation having a bunch of weird disinformation um tactics at play and almost mm. being like a for hire uh you know disinformation studio that's why like i'm beginning to get more and more skeptical of everything that they put out because there is like a bunch of funding from them uh or not from them from the obama whatever obama's like new thing is um right and they signed this like multi-year deal to basically put out like obama media um really yeah man yeah yeah. wow that's really interesting i know and the hillary uh foundation as well have been like heavily involved putting out um like netflix documentaries and shit so it's Uh. definitely being wielded as like another power for you know for swaying opinion um yeah that's really fascinating man yeah but yeah the whole thing is fascinating i mean seeing how much weird shit sort of props up especially like whenever i read rt now uh which i've started doing more of um getting the bent uh like the russian bent on on everything and seeing what you know i guess their agenda is yeah and the thing about it um and i'll be able to provide another really interesting example of this in a moment is that like often uh those the sorry the arguments in russian media make a lot of sense Mm. like it's very easy to spin something the other way and make it seem completely reasonable which Vladimir fucking Putin did perfectly in an op-ed that he had published in the New York fucking Times in 2013, really? which I found and read. Yeah, like to me, the idea that the New York Times would publish an op-ed by Vladimir Putin blew my mind. Mm. And this is a whole other aspect of their information uh, war uh tactics is just like straight up buying ad space buying newspapers and like lobbying um western companies and politicians so this beautifully written article by vladimir putin was published um at around the yeah i'll definitely share the link um at around the same time that the united states was considering um like a limited military intervention in syria in response to the government using 
I think it was chlorine gas uh, on citizens, allegedly. And Vladimir Putin makes the most articulate, well-rounded, convincing argument for why the the American population should resist um, U.S. intervention in Syria. And I found it absolutely astounding. That, Are you convinced? <clears throat> well, no. Mm. But I think rationally it's a, a flawless argument. I think if you were like an alien or <laughs> who could read English and you came to Earth and read this article, you'd be like, oh, right, yeah. Mm. Like, they shouldn't do that. It, But at the same time, I acknowledge that one of, like, the reason I wasn't convinced is probably just because I've had, like, 28 eight years of cultural bias built into me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of the things, eh? Like, it's unfortunately how politicized these issues are because non-interventionism is that hopefully that's the right word yeah i think that, that makes sense <laughs> that i feel should be what uh countries are always striving because i mean if everyone did that we you know better like it just mm. would be it, it at the very least you wouldn't have innocent blood on your hands um you know and that as a standpoint surely especially after the iraq war which was such a disaster like straight you up know, it's fucking horrendous man like should always be leaned on as something um you know as a direction that people want to head it towards mm. so yeah unfortunately if it's putin uh you know that's who's espousing stuff like that and i'm sure there's a motivation there um that's murky and potentially not entirely you know uh oh i mean it's obviously yeah just advancing the russian national interest yeah exactly. but um it, it's just it's yeah really interesting to just see the um the russian perspective coming straight from putin yeah he's also done i think two 60 minutes interviews which <laughs> i really want to check out That's and cool. that kind of like media engagement is another part of their strategy and again like i think it's just to like wrap up um I want to like reiterate after having provided these like examples of how they work the fact that like uh liberal values of like free speech freedom of association and whatnot in the west are like being used as a weapon against us <laughs> um, which i think is like such an interesting um just like vulnerability that russia was able to identify mm fact that they can clamp down on their own media to prevent a similar thing from happening in retaliation is um yeah really fascinating yeah it is um it's unfortunately not like and, and you know this is why i brought up the netflix example is like it's not like russia uh fits the modern day bogey boogeyman exploiting that but i think it's getting way more exploded and this is something that i've like talked about a lot on the pod to death and i'm sure mm. nobody wants to hear me say it again but i'm going to is i fucking 100 percent believe that big marvel is using the same shitty tactics to get people to go watch their crap movies you know and it's fooled me so many times and i hate it i hate every single time they do it and i fucking swear to god they have a whole army of twitter trolls every time mm. some stupid movie is about to come out you know be it I'm, i don't think joker is i think that's dc instead of marvel but who cares um yeah every single time one of these goddamn movie comes out you know they get their army of twitter trolls and they'll have like you know one half of them are you know uh neck beards and the other half of them are you know like <laughs> fuckwits and like you know they're like all right you assholes talk about why this is horrible for men and you know 
why it's destroying the concept of masculinity and the decline of the West. And the other fucking half talk about how it's so empowering to watch, you know, a $500 million budget movie totally done in cgi with like an actor that has never known poverty or pain <laughs> a fucking like little mini skirt firing off cgi balls of light for two hours you know and then it uh, becomes a media story every single time i read it i'm like mm. oh wow wonder woman's causing a lot of drama maybe i should go see it and i see it and it sucks every fucking time so like i said i was working on this project last year um that had to do with uh you know 4chan trolling and starting all these um you know trends to create nonsense outrage among uh you know the left to sort of discredit them and make them see like seem like a bunch of you know morons and whatever there's a really interesting example that popped up while we were working on this project and it was a uh, truckers union was pushing for higher pay in the states Mm -hmm. and the truckers union had a whatsapp group and that's how they all sort of like chatted and everything and and organized themselves so there is a uh the ceo of like some truckers association or some shit like that um infiltrated it with dishonest actors to spread confusion and doubt over the leaders of the truckers union oh that happens on like such a small scale as well yeah man yeah they completely destabilized the entire union which then eventually um fell into distrust because everyone started thinking oh well you know the leader of the union seems a dodgy guy and there's all this information like i don't know these guys who are coming into the zap group but they sound legit you know and they they seem pretty good but what the fuck is this about you know like and i can't remember it was probably something like completely nonsense and salacious like oh he's a pig fucker you know it's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like well i I don't know if he's a pig fucker but if someone's confusing of him he might he might not be but he might be you know a few levels below that just by discrediting (laughs) someone in a like outrageous way they you don't think they're guilty of the crime but you become suspect of them like like, I don't think Obama's a pedophile, Satan-worshipping, um, you know, leader of a cult. But when you start hearing that shit over and over and over again, you think, well... Yeah, for sure. You might not have done that, but maybe, you know... Or there's, equivalent like, the old saying, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's... And, like, now that's just almost become the reverse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if there's fire, there's smoke. yeah. If there's a story on the internet about some guy, like, raping a child, like, he probably didn't rape a child, but, like, might have made a joke about it. Yeah, well, that's interesting with Prince Andrew, eh? Like, um, you know, like, it's just even being around someone like Epstein. Yeah, it's uh, bad enough, man. Yeah, I actually don't even know where I'm going with that, because Prince Andrew totally could have been a fucking pedophile, um, for all we know. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't even be surprised, but... But that's the thing, man. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was just fucking hanging out, and, like... You know, now I just assume that he's so fucking guilty. And I, there's, it's, yeah, anyway. Well, man, if he's not guilty of, like, hanging out and fucking kids with Epstein, he's guilty of being, like, a fucking wanker anyway. Like, the royal (laughs) family should all face the justice of the fucking mob, man. Yeah, I hate the fucking Like, it's, it's such an absolute injustice, dude. Like, monarchism in our time is, like, just unjustifiable, in my opinion. It's It's fucking disgusting. But, dude, they love him over there. I've had... I've almost been engaged in fisticuffs when I have... Yeah, with people who defend the Queen, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, I have yeah. very publicly and drunkenly even, um, out, you know, like, slandered the Queen in front of yeah. British people. And they've 
they've gotten angry at me. I remember I was talking to some British people. I was like, you know, oh, what do you think about the Queen? And they were like, oh, you don't mind the old Queen. She's all right, eh? You're quite slight seeing her in a little fucking car, waving and all that. And I just thought, oh, man, how can you fucking stand it? Don't you feel like a loser, like having the Queen? You know, like the last ultimate position of privilege and power for no right or reason. And it's just like, you fucking what, mate? What are you fucking saying <laughs> with the fucking queen? Honestly, you better fuck off, mate. And it's just like, I don't know. It's what probably the fuck, example, mate? But yeah. No, it's not a bad example. It makes They love it. Man. People love are like it. that. And yeah. there are even royalists in Australia. I mean, <sighs> and New Zealand, I imagine, which just confuses me so much. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. There's, a, there's a weird scene here, though, you know. The um the former Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull like leads the Australian Rep- Republican movement, mm. which I think would be so fucking good. Like I think we should absolutely um secede from the Commonwealth. Yeah, well, it's so relevant now anyway, right? Like, yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's it's just insulting, I think, mm. to just be expected to to care about these fucking <laughs> people who have. <laughs> we have nothing in common with coming to visit us like on the taxpayer dime like get fucked yeah that's so um, annoying i hate it when i see that shit and it's just like yeah are you serious like we're gonna use taxpayer money for that you know for like yeah. a trip for you know that group of assholes they're so boring as well like bring someone else over you know bring over sid vicious or something like that yeah bring over david cho <laughs> yeah you know like (laughs) fuck off like what have they ever done that's interesting yeah man yeah yeah you like you won't let tyler the creator into new zealand but you let fucking like you know that group of pedophile excuses it's so rude yeah yeah. speaking of the royal family actually (laughs) like i can't believe what a massive story it was when um I think it was Prince Harry and Meghan Merkel decided to like separate from the royal family and move to Canada. Um, and then, yeah, so Prince Harry decided that he wanted to be a real boy and basically <laughs> um, gave up his like royal titles and responsibilities and shit to like move to Canada and then, but already had like millions of dollars worth of assets and shit. Mm. So kind of like wasn't giving up. I don't know. He was giving up like, the titles and the surface level stuff, but was experiencing a life built on the privilege of being a royal. And then moved to Canada and like I think the Queen like publicly denounced him and all this kind of shit. And then did like interviews about how upset he was about how everyone responded. <laughs> and then media so... stories coming out like like sources close to Prince Harry say that he is like sad and despondent living in Canada. <laughs> it's like fuck you man you don't have the right to be sad about this like yeah um, he's probably pretty malformed though man like oh i'm sure there's all that incest blood that they have you know right up yeah i don't think they'd be very emotionally developed people like (laughs) you know and, and the queen's like i don't even think she really exists you know like she's there's an electric brain in there and it just periodically waves and like you know spouts monarchy bullshit and then goes back to to the the crypt where they fucking keep her normally yeah <laughs> it's just so um, <laughs> yeah how old is the queen oh i don't know man i'm pretty sure she was born in like the early 1900s like she's so old 
He's fucking 94, man. That's so You know ridiculous. what the, the shitty thing about it is that she'll live until she's like 120 as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just going to have to like, you know, throw away the, uh, the body. Deal with her. <laughs> uh, I wonder what they'll do with the corpse. I hope they turn it into compost or something. Yeah, or like stuff it. That'd be pretty funny, you know. Stuff it. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, fuck. Just have her in like, is... one of those grizzly bear positions or something, just at the front of the uh, Buckingham Palace. <laughs> <laughs> who, is the, who is the heir to the throne? I think oh, it's... Okay, Prince Charles. Yeah. Who is 71. Hopefully they just fade into irrelevance, though, you know. Yeah, um... Oh, God, this is just making me think about how like broken the United Kingdom is as a society as well, right? They're actually really lucky that the United States takes up all of like the the airtime, yeah. Because like the UK is just absolutely rotting from the inside too. Um, oh man, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the it's not the West's uh, finest hour. This is like the West's. Um, who was that dickhead who was like a night rider? What's his name? David Hasselhoff. Right. Yeah. Have you seen the cheeseburger video? No. Should uh, I watch it? If you want to, yeah. There is it's it like, have half cheeseburger. You just need to see like the one image. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's He's like where eating we're eating a hamburger. Now. We're just drunkenly on the floor, like mashing the last little pieces of, you know, processed nutrients into our mouth. <laughs> like a despicable mess. And it's oh, so this is so good. This video is amazing. <laughs> Shirtless too. Yeah, yeah. That's like yeah. That's, that's such a perfect at. analogy, dude. I admire you for making that yeah. distinction. And I mean China's that um, just comparison. <laughs> They're just lying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, there's something glorious about it. Oh yeah, it's awesome. It's like <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a disgusting, depraved. Hey, he's still worth a few mil in that video, so you know. Oh, I'm sure he's <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's balling out of control. There's no hope that he's coming back, but you know, he's still got money. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're at. We still got uh, money. I wonder if um, I know Ray Dalio. It sounds like he's gonna fucking leave uh, the West and move to China. Like every single. Are article, you serious? Well, every article he brings out just sounds more and more like, uh, yeah, China taking over, and um, you know, the new Chinese order, and blah blah blah. And he's like, his hedge fund dumped a lot of money into uh, Chinese companies and everything like that. So I'm wondering if there's like a you know like a sneaky exit plan out of there. Yeah, um, right. See, if, I. I understand that Ray Dalio's whole thing is like, you know, um, identifying historical trends and sort of like geopolitical movements and then investing based on that. But I don't vibe with like the moral ambiguity of just like investing in Chinese companies for profit. Um, mm. Sure. In that, like, most big Chinese companies have ties to the state, and the state obviously runs concentration camps. Yeah. I kind of would hope that maybe Ray Dalio has a bit more of a nuanced understanding than that. I'm sure he does. Yeah. Like, I don't want to judge him based on just this, like, what I know about this, but, like, yeah. Well, it is. yeah, it's it's a murky question, and one that's, like, can you invest ethically? I'm sure you can. Uh, I don't mm. know if your returns will be that good, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that's the fucking problem, right? Yeah, man. I've wondered about that a few times. But it, to me, it comes back to a question of, like, can you even consume ethics? And I, I don't think you can without massive limitations on what you're buying, you know? Which isn't necessarily a bad mm. thing. Um, there's a yeah. lot of shit that we have that we don't really probably need. 
need. Um, so, you know, maybe it's not a bad thing to try and consume ethically, but man, ethical investing is fucking tough. Like companies act pretty dishonestly, you know? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately, even if you're investing in like, you know, fortune 500 companies, you're still supporting other forms of, you know, unethical practice in my opinion. Yeah. Um, in that capitalism is like inherently kind of like a predatory, Mm. um, system. But do the ends yeah, justify I, the means? Like if you invest, if, if, uh, you can invest a thousand bucks into a Chinese company and then it turns into a, um, you know, hundred thousand or a million dollars or something like that within a five year period, but you're funding a dubious, you know, uh, <laughs> dubious to say the least. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like being as generous a genocidal as government. Yeah. You know, is it worth it? Could you then reroute the money? It's like one of those. Well, that's what I was thinking, right? Um, like I'd say if you were to approach it as like a calculation, then yeah, if your returns were high enough and that you then used, um, an amount equal to or greater than your initial investment to try and like Mm -hmm. produce some sort of like moral good, then I think, yeah, you can justify it. But I think if you would introduce like the element of time and the harm that is done in the short term then it probably like negates it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man. I've struggled with that one. Eh? I've always, it's been a longstanding question in my mind whether you can offset evil acts, you know? And like, mm. you know, uh, going back to Faust. <laughs> one no, of the, go back to Faust. Yeah, one of the ultimate questions of Faust is like, Faust, Dr. Faustus acts like a dick, you know, with his power mm. and just uses it to like troll people um, and like, fuck over a woman and just be kind of like a general dickhead and there's an old man at the end of faustus's you know time when he's right before he's about to you know be consumed uh in eternal hellfire um that an old man pleads with him to repent and that he may leave the evil behind him and pursue a righteous life and and righteous path and it's sort of like a hotly debated topic whether or not faustus even if he did repent would be able to lead a righteous life and it it makes me wonder you know like because you hear about um people who go to prison and they you know they're fucking like horrible people like murderers Mm. and shit and yeah whether or not you can repent from that or you're fucked for life you know in the eyes of yourself society those around you like should we allow them to repent well it's a really interesting question like i think a lot about this as well i guess like morality across time or whatever and the idea of like salvation is really dependent on how you define it right or like Mm. what form of salvation you deem to matter so like you could interpret faust in a couple of different ways it's like he repents at the end um is he doing it for himself or is he doing it so that he can be remembered in a different way or is he doing it for god is god himself Mm. all that kind of thing like i think repentance should mostly be so that you can love yourself right yeah, in which case is it ever for anyone but yourself, you know? like. Well, I think a lot of people expect that you should repent for them. Mm. And it, like, they wouldn't say that, but I think there's always, like, an implication that, like, we want... For example, I think, like... I mean, we probably talked about this in the Faust episode of the pod, but, like, like public celebrity apologies. <sighs> like, we never want those... We never want them to repent so that they can be at peace. It's like, we feel as though we deserve, like... Yeah their i don't know recognition of their error as well when really like we actually have no entitlement to it yeah no absolutely it's really interesting yeah. like yeah it's you know and it, it's funny how um 
even after people accept the apology, they're just still demonized. You know, there, there is no like, yeah, exactly like, right. Fucking Louis C.K. Man, is he? I don't think he'll ever make another movie ever. No fucking way. Like maybe, maybe, maybe if everybody forgets jerk off scandal, but um, you know, he's hated, mm. man. Like people fucking hate him brutally. I can't even think and, of any example. Like Jordan Belfort kind of had a weird comeback after he defrauded everyone. Um, but he, who is that? Uh, he's like the Wolf of Wall Street. Oh right. Yeah, and he's, <laughs> okay, yeah. he now goes and speaks about how you shouldn't be a dick, but also like glorifies what he does. So he's also kind of like still an asshole. Like he's still like, <laughs> yeah, don't you yeah, hate I that? Fucked this like six foot, you know, black woman, and she just came on my face, and you know, like, what was I gonna do? Not cheat on my wife, right? <laughs> Oh my god, so, what know. a fucking tool. <laughs> um, piece of shit. <laughs> so I, know, I can't even think of anyone that's apologized and was like sincere about it, you know, and like didn't use it as a way to just kind of get back into the spotlight somehow. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting angle on it too, right? Like you can fuck up and then like use your public repentance as like an asset. Yeah. <laughs> like a promotional opportunity or whatever to like mount your comeback on. Do you know Tony Which Veach? Is like, uh, Tony Veach. He sounds really familiar. Was he like a New Zealand media personality? Yeah, he's the New Zealand media personality that like broke his wife's spine or some shit like that. Like, what the fuck? The fucking shit out of her. Jesus Christ. Um, and he had a kind of a weird character arc in the sense that he like, he did that like and paid her off and paid her to basically keep quiet and um, Jesus, fuck. she was like i think like several years after it happened she went to the media and you know it was like a big scandal and tony beach was like obviously you know there was a massive public backlash against him but um he found his way back onto the air and a lot of he had like a lot of support man he had like a huge number of people that were sort of like secretly coming out and, and hitting him up and being like hey man like you know tony did his time tony apologized like you know what are you gonna do like can can't the man ever work again um and he sort of like came back pretty strongly he had like a really popular radio show i think he's fucked off to bali now or something but um yeah i just saw he has yeah yeah but, but jesus know, christ man yeah it was like a whole thing, you know, and he publicly apologized. Like, I'm, I'm fucking absolutely not trying to say that Tony B should get let off the hook for what he did. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying it's like the only example that I can really think of where, you know, there was a definitely not like a majority acceptance, but like enough of a minority uh, accepting his apology and whatnot that let him back into, um, pub, you know, his his work ultimately. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, that's really interesting, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. See, I think with this kind of thing i think you kind of have to just like vote with your dollars right um oh, you only ever can. I, I i don't like cancel culture because it it demands like a uniform response to someone's actions and like obviously stating the obvious here but just like erases nuance hmm. in terms of like how you as an individual view an issue um yeah but like i do support kind of like people having strong opinions on shit like this like i wouldn't fucking listen to this guy's show yeah you know what i'm saying yeah uh you know i i love roman polanski movies publicly i just said it i fucking do i think they're really good i think he's yeah, a great right. director was he a wife he a director. no he's like fucking anally raped a 13 year old or something he's a piece Jesus of shit fuck yeah dude like My roman God. polanski is a horrible person um you know there's no doubt about it. there's no fucking even gray area like i'm pretty sure he even admitted to it and they fled to france uh from america to avoid getting um, prosecution 
Yeah, prosecuted. And he's continued to make great movies. You know, his movies are fantastic. There's no... You can say they're not, but they are. They're they're really fucking good movies. And so it's kind of like, you know, I don't agree with anything that he's done in his personal life. Um, Mm. But I'm also not going to stop watching Polanski movies. So... What are are some good wrecks? Dude, Um, Chinatown? If you haven't seen Chinatown, check out Chinatown. It's like fantastic repulsion is about schizophrenia it's fantastic rosemary baby oh he did the pianist yeah 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 he's he's got an incredible series of like he's fantastic there's no way around it the guy's a fucking genius the same with woody allen like you know woody allen's case is i think a little murkier um because it's like he got with his stepdaughter or some shit but his movies are fucking great as well so you know Mm. he's like one of my favorite directors isn't it's so interesting um i mean I don't know if I'm right about this, but it seems like a disproportionate amount of dudes who get into film like like to do weird sexual shit. But they're um, in huge positions of power. More so. Do you think that's it though? Yeah. Do you think it's the power? I think. So, like, do you think Woody Allen's position of power made him like fall in love with his stepdaughter? I think that you're rewarded for being eccentric. I think a lot of eccentric people are sexual deviants by nature, mm. um, because of whatever you know, Freudian uh sexuality whatever whatever caused it um i think there's a massive economic imbalance in the sense that you have like you know fucking who knows hundreds of thousands of actors or something clamoring for one Mm. spot yeah and guys like this who have been you know like woody allen and roman polanski are weedy tiny dudes they they look like they are you know incels from another fucking world you know what i mean like Mm. i imagine they're probably weird dudes growing up and then all of a sudden they're like have people clamoring for their attention and they're in positions of power and they abuse it yeah it yeah. Happened. dude i hear about the same thing in law uh up in auckland you know huge amounts of time like lots and lots of young lawyers trying to get jobs and there's partners at firms that then will ask for like sexual favors so that they hire them as interns i think it's just a disgusting yes for a fucking internship how bleak is that yeah fuck suck my dick so you can work for me for free yeah man yeah it's so fucking shitty but that happens like i've heard i've heard fucking so many stories about it and i know that it happens. so i think it's what happens when you have predatory weirdos in positions of power and like you know like hugely um unbalanced uh markets you know where there's like small amounts of openings there's huge rewards not as much as law it's kind of sadder in law it's like you know throw yeah away and morality for a shot at making yeah some a middle wages for 10 years yeah exactly <laughs> that's insane right yeah. like the 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 upside is so like low paperwork <laughs> in office yeah it's fucking crazy yeah it's a lot less sexy um, than being like you know starring in a fucking polanski film or something yeah so. that's astonishing to think actually yeah but yeah that just goes to show right like what people will like throw away their like dignity for oh it's so sad eh? like you know no one's doing it in accounting (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it has to have Um, those characteristics it feels in place but you know i don't know um, what do you do with that information what do you do with the fact that you have like horrible things uh behind great pieces of art and modern social movements you know like do we throw like no one's gonna throw away the civil rights movement because of like martin luther king's uh, he was a wife beater right? wife beating yeah why would you yeah. throw it away and <laughs> like yeah you know what i mean i mean i guess the answer to your question is just try and live a good life right pretty much you know i mean like there's 
I think often there's no need to respond to this kind of shit. Yeah. Acknowledging that it sucks is enough. Yeah, yeah. Like Gandhi's and... sex perversion uh, isn't gonna fucking bring the colonists back, you know? <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Because we enough people recognize how ridiculous that would be that it's like, well, what he did was good. Sleeping naked well, with um... your fucking niece and nephew is a little creepy, but you know, maybe it's better that Britain isn't in India. But then maybe you so... know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we should cancel Gandhi cancel gandhi i'm sure it's not far off dude like someone will cancel gandhi at some point yeah um, someone's gotta put him in his place so um speaking of power imbalances and what you will give up for an opportunity to um feel good about yourself um little fyi we recently added a new feature to the website that allows you to give us money which you should do um so We've always been of the opinion that we will like never ever charge anyone for the podcast. It's going to be free forever for as long as it exists. Too dope not to be free. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, was thinking it. Yeah. Um, and we will never like have a paywall on any of the written pieces on the website either. But if you feel as though this is worth something to you or you get something out of it or you want to contribute to what we're doing, then you can head to the website, click the link. It'll go to PayPal and you can drop what you want in there. All of the money will go towards growing modern guilt, getting to more people and producing better shit. So that's out of the way. I felt a little bit seedy doing that, but fuck it. Sometimes you got to give yourself credit where credit's due. Yeah. All right. Share this episode with your friends, send it to your mum, send it to your dad, send it to your local real estate agent. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram at Modern Guilt Pod. Email us modernguiltpod at gmail.com. And chat to a real estate agent next time you're at a bar, you know? Tell us what you, uh, tell us how that went down. And remember, always be closing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's Peace. it for now. Stay tuned for our presidential debate reaction pod coming very shortly after this one. Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace out. Love Peace you guys. Out. Love you guys.